Good day and welcome to the first episode of JA's Recipe for Success. I'm your host, Lori Salarulo, and we're coming to you from the Heisinger Catering Kitchen at JA World Heisinger Center at the Lillian S. Wells Pavilion. Just as there are no two recipes that contain the exact same ingredients or measurements, there are no two success stories exactly the same. Each episode of Recipe for Success will feature entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, and innovators of all ages who will share the ingredients that have made them successful. The motivation behind creating this show is the mission of JA to prepare and inspire students for success. It's been so fun creating this, and I'm looking forward to learning so much from our guests. One of the things we thought about as we were creating this was who should be our first guest. And so it seemed only befitting that our first guest today is the daughter of Marty and Wayne Heisinger. That's how you know her, but some of us know her as a serial entrepreneur. So Pam, welcome to Jay's Recipe for Success. Thank and you. thank you for being our first guest. Oh, I'm honored. Thank this you. This is very exciting. Yes, this is the, the kitchen that Wayne built, we call it. <laughs> when we first built this building, um, and you know that Wayne and Marty were the first people to support the building of it. Mm -hmm. uh, we, this was storage, this was a warehouse. Oh, wow. And so after it was built, Wayne said, you know, if you're gonna have parties here and rent the facility, you're gonna need a catering kitchen. And mm -hmm. so he then supported the build out of this kitchen. So this is definitely the kitchen that Wayne built. You mentioned when we spoke that you had done J programs, which I didn't know yeah. until you That's mentioned very, it at Roll Up Your Sleeves. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I was born and raised in Fort Lauderdale and I went to high school at St. Thomas. They had a JA program where they brought in a product that we all had to assemble and then come up with a company name, market, sell, and do everything. And it was this little uh, yellow, a blue handle, yellow notepad. You remember brush. that well. <laughs> I remember it really well, but I loved it. I loved the whole idea of having to physically put it together and we were in a team. It wasn't individual, so we had to figure out how to work as a team, how to delegate who was going to do what because we couldn't all do everything. And so it was an amazing lesson for a high schooler on how to be entrepreneurial. But I loved it. I loved that, that whole aspect of having to figure out what is my spiel? You know, what am I gonna tell people? Why am I doing this? Why should they buy this from me? Why should they buy even more than they wanted to buy originally? Uh, I really enjoyed that. So you have two businesses. You're the CEO of Pam Heisinger Jewelry, mm -hmm. as well as the CEO of Colab Farms. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about those because I mm -hmm. want you to share with everyone. Talk a little bit about how you started the uh, jewelry business. It all started with passion. It was something that I was interested in, something that I was passionate about. Um, I've always loved rocks. Uh, my mother teased me years ago. She said, don't you remember you would come home from you know, friend's house or whatever, and in your pocket, you would have all sorts of little fossils and little sparkly rocks, and you're always grabbing rocks and stuff. Funny. And I thought, wow, that's right. I've always loved rocks. So when I was 16 um, in North Carolina, that's where we'd spend a lot of our summers, uh, there was a local, one of those, um, uh, those fake fine, right, right. Yeah. 
this place and you buy your bucket of rocks and you sift through it. And there was one place in particular we really loved to go because it seemed very authentic. But I would go there anytime I could talk my mom into driving. And so when I was old enough to drive myself, I would go and once you hang around enough and get to know them, they're like, okay, you want a job? You want to you know, help us out? And I knew all the rocks and I could tell the tourists, okay, well that's amethyst and that's quartz and all this. So one day, uh, the guy who ran it, his name is Jerry Call, a very famous uh, lapidary artist and miner, uh, he said, hey, you know, you want to do my faceting course? I have one place open. Uh, you'll be the youngest kid, but, you know, it's all adults. Do you want to do it? And I, I went home that night and asked my parents, because it, was, it wasn't cheap, and they said, if you're dedicated and you're going to do it, um, it was an hour and a half drive there, hour and a half drive home five weeks, nine to five, Monday through Friday. And I said, heck yeah, I want to do this. So that really cemented in the awe of cut stones. You know, I was very excited about rocks, but now it took the rock that I found in this bucket that was pretty and I like to look at it, and then I was able to shape it and turn it into this sparkly, beautiful thing that then I could set and, and put into a piece of jewelry. That was very cool for a 16-year-old yeah, to, to do. But when I went into college, I was working for a stone dealer. During that time that I realized, wow, you know, my dad was looking for a gift for my mom, and we always went jewelry shopping together for my mom, and we were looking at tennis bracelets, and I said, Dad, you know, there's a guy across the alley from us, the, the aisle of the jewelers exchange, who has all these tennis bracelets, they all look the same. Let me, maybe, you know, we can get one at a better price. I brought home five or six tennis bracelets ranging in size, and then I, by then I'm learning all about the carat weight and the clarity and the color and all that. So we went through and analyzed all of them, and he picked one very similar to when we were looking at one of the big jewelry stores and saving him about five grand. He was excited, and he's like, well, you know, you gotta have some markup. I'm like, really? He's like, why don't you add a hundred bucks onto that? I'm like, oh my God. I think he got over on you on that I one. Know, I know. Now, in hindsight, when I was 19 years old and I made a hundred bucks right. right then and there. For bringing home a few bracelets. Home, for having fun. Right. And getting something for my mom. So it was a win-win. But this competitive entrepreneurial spirit that I have, I thought, oh my gosh, I can make this into a business. I went to a... Uh, local little business card. At that time, you couldn't just walk into Office Depot. You could do it on your computer. We didn't have those. Um, went to a stationary person, printer place, and designed my first little business card. And it was called Convenient Jewelry Consultants. I was very proud of that. And I started going to these ladies' luncheons and setting up appointments with local businessmen and um, selling jewelry to these people in Fort Lauderdale. And it was amazing, and it was awesome. 14 years of retail um, private jewelry sales. Right, yeah. yeah. The name evolved, evolved. after time. And, uh, and, and the designs and just the, the stone, the value of the stones, the, the well, quality of the I stones probably all. I was always selling all. other people's jewelry. I would buy and sell, and um, just like a jewelry store right. would do. And we did, I did some special design and everything, um, and I never really thought of myself as a designer. But um, I took a bit of a hiatus and did a few other businesses. I got back into it in a very random, surreal type of 
way and started cutting stones again, which I hadn't done in 20 years, and just got reintroduced to the love of stones. And because of that, I started designing settings around my stones. And there was one particular uh, jewelry store in North Carolina that just loved my stones and said, hey, if you ever set any of these, let me see them. So I thought, hmm, I could probably take some of my other passions like mosaics and, and glass and all those things and let me see if I can do that with my stones. It went from there. Wow. And so never in a million years did I think my jewelry business, Pamela Heisinger Jewelry, um, would be selling at Saks and Neiman's and a few other high-end uh, jewelry stores. Great story. And you know, you mentioned a couple of things that I just want to make sure because as we talk about the recipe for success, right, some of the ingredients that I heard you talking about have been passion, right, the love of what you yeah. were doing and the love of the stones. Um, and I think that's so important, especially our young people, um, they have to love what they're going to do um, and, and be passionate about it. Some of the, the work that I did when I first had my jewelry company, so not only did I go to school all day, then I went to the jewelers exchange, and especially if I was getting ready for a show, I was still a full-time student. So then I'm getting ready for a show, which means I'm going and I'm gathering jewelry from all these different jewelers, then I'm taking it home, I'm retagging everything, I'm repricing everything, I'm up till midnight, doing tagging, then I'm going to doing a show the next day and redoing it. And when you look at the number of hours that you're putting in, right. that's not a 40 hour work week. You know, right. There's no such thing as a 40 hour work week for an entrepreneur. Right. That's why you better love what you're doing. So <laughs> when you go to these jewelry shows, I would bet that you don't dress this way. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a kind of a good segue into why you are dressed this way and a little bit about what we have yes. here on the table and how you've made such a transition from one thing, right, to what you're doing, so one of the other businesses you're doing today. And so tell us about the birth of Collab Farms. Yeah, well, kids, you want to dress for success. <laughs> and this is how you come to a very important interview <laughs> at JA World. <laughs> we love it. We love it. I just came from a farm meeting, <laughs> and um, I decided, you know, that's the person I wanted to portray. Um, going back to carrying rocks in my pockets, I was also reminded that from a very young age, I was always trying to plant things. I got in trouble for pulling up sod in the front yard to create a garden. Um, I've tried to plant beans back behind a hedge, not realizing that you need sun to grow things. So I've always loved growing things. Um, there's a lot of people back in my family history that worked for the Florida Department of Agriculture, which I didn't realize Ooh. until I was older. So it all makes a lot of sense. I've always had gardens at my homes, no matter what. I would clear out a space. I would always do something to have some type of raised beds or container gardens. And when we moved into our current property, which is 20 acres of this beautiful land, um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to have a legit garden. <laughs> so by the time we were done clearing the space and preparing it, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a big garden. <laughs> it's a big garden. It's a small farm. Right. So um, I ended up hiring this gal, Allison Lynn, who is amazing. And uh, she's an apiary, and she is a master gardener. So she's a beekeeper. And Ooh. we have so much property, I thought, we need bees on this property. I want my own honey. Okay. 
and let her put a bunch of hives on here for herself because we have the room for it. So she started uh, working for me full time with the garden because it's, it's a lot of work. And not long after, uh, a friend who's a realtor said, hey, I see that you're so interested in this gardening stuff. Uh, there's this small farm for sale out in Indian Town. If you want to take a look at it, that's a bad idea. Don't show me anything that is interesting because if I love it, that's it. I'm, I'm going full force. So uh, I called up Allison. I said, I'm going to send you an email. Let me know what you think. And her response was, I have my bags packed. When do I move? Uh, cool. So I called her. I said, okay, you may not know me well enough yet, but don't be excited about this unless you really are committed to it because I have a tendency to be a bit impetuous and I'll go for it. And she's like, no, heck no, this is awesome. So we went out and we saw the property and it had six greenhouses already on it and it had these really big tower systems in three of them and workspaces and two houses and, and I'm looking at this and I'm just seeing all the possibilities and Allison as well. Now neither one of us has farmed. So negotiations ensued, uh, bought the property and soon discovered that it, uh, the systems that were in place that were supposed to be so turnkey and ready weren't necessarily the best systems it's never for us. Quite what you um, think, no, right? It was a great opportunity for us to learn. And that's another part of being a, a successful entrepreneur is you have to be willing to learn. You have to enjoy learning every single day. I learn something new every day. That brings me to something that my dad always said, and it was probably the best lesson. He said, if you want to be successful, you need to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Yeah. And I thought that was just so perfect because as an entrepreneur, you want to do everything and you have that passion. And sometimes there's some possessiveness there. But to be a successful entrepreneur, you've got to know when you're not the smartest person for that particular job. If you're the smartest person in the room when you have your staff meeting, something is wrong. Right. And you're not going to be successful. Or you're going to try trying because you're trying to do it all by yourself, yeah. right? It's very easy to fill your plate so full that you can't hold it anymore. Yeah. And, and that's, you got to know when to, to pull in and, and bring in the resources and, and say, okay, I have to delegate this to you and I have to delegate this to you and make sure you've got the right people in those positions. I, I, you know, sometimes I often think that that is one of the hardest lessons for leaders and for entrepreneurs mm -hmm. uh, to learn. We think we can do it best or do it better or we have the best idea, but I have learned over the years that I have certain skill sets. Right. And there are other ones that either I may have, but I don't really like to do, or right. that really just are not what I'm best at. And I need to find people who can do those because we need all the skill sets at the table, right? Like Wayne, I, I totally agree, and I tell my daughter that all the time. You know, being the smartest one in the group just fills your ego, right? It makes you right. feel good because you're smarter than everybody else, and, and you think you've got a handle on it and all, all of right. that that you mentioned. But really, when you learn and when you grow is when you surround yourself with those yes, people who true. know more. Even beyond the, uh, the ego part, we're out, we always think no one's going to take care of our baby as well as we can. And it's, it's almost a protective sense of, oh, gosh, you know, they're, they're just not going to watch it like I'm going to watch it. Right. And my husband's a very good uh, teacher of this. It, you have to empower people. You have to let them feel some ownership and some, right. some part of the master plan 
And that's been a very good lesson for me also. He's always sharing with me ways that, that he empowers the people on his teams, you know, in his businesses. And that's important. Yeah. It's really important to have a supportive partner. <laughs> Yes, it really as is. Your, as a recipe to your success, <laughs> not even if you're working hand in hand, and, and that is even a, a bigger task, but somebody who really respects your vision and your dream and supports the, the efforts and the sacrifices that it takes to have a, to have a successful business. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll be in between the different businesses that we have, and I'll be running home to, to do something, and, and he and I will run in something, he goes, Hey, farmer, you can't work, work half day. <laughs> like, I know. I'm going to the next one. So, uh, so he keeps you going, right? Yeah. Or slows you down when you need to slow down a little bit, yes. too, I'll bet. Yes. Right? When I, bought the, the, when I bought the farm, um, when I got the first location, wanted to come up with an, a good name. Colab Farms, the name has a story behind it. My husband and I have a business down in Fort Lauderdale. Um, collaborative workspace so it's all collab workspaces and Jay came up with that name and I always loved it because I love the idea of collaboration right in everything in life you know collaboration is what it's all about and so when I was thinking of farm names we're coming up with all these funny farm names and everything and I said you know would you mind if I just added to our collab brand and created collab farms he thought that that was a good idea and it really fits because in the farming community, there is a lot of collaboration. We want to work with our other local farmers. We want to work with local businesses and restaurants and markets. And we are constantly working together. And so successful farming, successful businesses are all about collaboration. So we created Collab Farms. Four months later, um, one of our restaurant partners said, hey, there's a little local farmer who we've been buying some beautiful produce from. He's got another opportunity out of state and he's gonna be leaving and he wants to sell off some of his equipment. And I went by his farm and, and he was growing in the ground in raised beds and, and had some um, tunnel hoop type greenhouses and it really wasn't anything that we could use. And I, I felt kind of bad, I was like, gosh, you know, there's a few little bits of equipment, but it would cost me more to disassemble and reassemble at my location than to just buy new. And um, Allison had a great idea. She said, well, why don't we take over the lease and we'll just keep growing here? And I thought, oh, well, that's really good because he's, he's got some nice things growing. He has a nice little setup. And uh, the farmer said, you know, the guy who owns the property, an older gentleman, really just wants to get rid of the property. He offered it to me to buy, but, you know, I don't have the funds right now and I'm, I'm leaving the state. So I don't really have any interest. Mm. Went, the little spark yeah. went off. Really, it's closer to town. It's a beautiful spot. I mean, it's gorgeous. It has this big building in the middle that if we paint it red, it's going to look like a big barn. <laughs> so I uh, spoke to the gentleman who, who owned the property, and he said, I'll give you the same deal I was giving him. We shook hands, and that was it. And we bought the second one. Wow. So uh, it's been quite a ride. It's well, been that's less than all a year. looks so pretty and yes. so colorful, and yeah. it's all natural. And we grew all of this, but we're we're kind of slowing down now because during the summer it's usually slow anyway. But we are in the process of um, refurbishing the existing greenhouses at the original property. They're getting all new systems, mm. new roof, new sidewalls, new all of that, so that we can grow more efficiently. Um, and then at the East location, which is our new location, we just call it Collab East, 
That is literally six minutes from downtown Stewart's. We are actually building brand new greenhouses. So we're gonna get some fancy schmancy, beautiful 17, 18 foot tall greenhouses, huge, where we can be growing um, 12 months out of the year. Wow. Which is great to be able to have local grown produce right in your local market all the time. So these are actually things that we're just growing now. We're slowing down a lot, but yes, I picked I have never seen a pepper that purple, but that is oh, beautiful. Yeah, delicious. I'm exhausted just listening to well, all of this. <laughs> and that's not even all of it. You have marinas and you have all kinds of other things going on. Yes. And so I don't know how you do it all, but obviously surrounding yourself with the right people is yep. so important. Yep. You know, it's interesting. Um, I'm Italian, half Italian, half Spanish. And so when we go anywhere we bring something right we bring mm -hmm. food or something for the table whether it's right. flowers or whatever what do you expect the people around you to bring to the table you can't possibly do all this so right I mean you can do a lot I can tell right, right. we we are strong women but what do we need and what do you expect other people to bring to the table bringing to the table is exactly the term that I use when I'm in an interview um, and I'm interviewing new staff or or anyone um, what do you bring to the table? What are you going to bring that's going to teach me something? Oh, I like you know, that. What do you yeah. What do you have that that I don't know? You know that I that I need to learn, and um, that's key. If you look at your on a ladder rung, which is silly, but the person who's harvesting and and working in the greenhouse that has absolutely nothing to do with the running of your business, but they're the one that's making your business possible. What do they bring to the table? They can bring um, loyalty and punctuality and uh, a, a solid work ethic and honesty. That's a lot to bring to the table right there. I know right. a lot of executives that don't bring that to the table. Every team member has those things that they can bring to the table and they've got to have them. And, and sometimes the people on the front lines have the solutions that we're not thinking of, oh, right? Yeah. So I have, I oh, just yeah. recently formed a, uh, like a leadership of people here at Junior Achievement because I want to hear from those that are on the front lines, right? Those that are working with our students. How do we continue, right, to keep it engaging? Mm -hmm. How do we, they hear it all. They have amazing ideas oh, yeah. uh, if we listen, right, to how yeah. we can make things better. Getting someone else's perspective, um, that goes back into the willingness to learn. We, we just instituted um, team meetings on Fridays to kind of go over what did we accomplish during the week in the, at the farm. What do we need to work on next week? Just get some ideas out there. And those are priceless. Yeah. I mean, it's it, to hear from everybody is very important. And also to get a, new, a different set of eyes on a problem. Even if it's right. a big level problem. We had someone come into our new farm and, and we're trying to figure out, okay, we're gonna put the greenhouses over here, but this is gonna be an event venue and we gotta do this and we're doing this. And this person that came to the farm who really never been on our properties before looked at me and goes, why are you putting the greenhouse there? Why don't you put the greenhouse way back there? Then you've got all this space up front for your events and keep it all up front. And at first I'm like, ah, oh, no, we, we, know what we're, we know what we wanna do. And all of a sudden it took me about five steps of walking, because we're walking the property. And I turned around and went, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Wow. So that one comment changed the entire view of the property. We're putting the greenhouses in the back. All the utility is in the back. The whole front, now we're building a botanical event space using all native plants 
and this event space with all these photography niches and little vignettes so people can have weddings and oh. events there. And it changed everything because we just bought a, a, a true seed to table restaurant and market um, where they were growing it, selling it, cooking it, feeding it, serving wow. it, you know, all of that. Um, we just purchased a, a really great uh, little spot called Ground Floor Farm in downtown oh. Stewart. And uh, we'll be bringing it into the brand. So it'll be Collab Farms Kitchen and Market. Good. Great, great crew over there. And so we're just moving forward with that whole vision. And That's mission. amazing. You know, so with all of this and all of the things that you have going on, and it sounds amazing and there must be times when things don't always go as planned. You know, they used to say, what's that saying? Uh, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? Oh. So how do you deal with those, right? How do you deal with oh. challenges and obstacles? I would love to say that I just take a deep breath and take it in and find a solution. Um, and I usually go backwards first. I try to figure out, okay, what happened that led us up to that? Was there anything that we knew about before that we could have fixed? or that gave us some insight so we can identify it next time. And then it's finding solutions. Uh, my big thing these days is you can bring me as many problems, you can point out as many problems as you want, but you better be ready to offer me some solutions to those problems. I'll get a phone call, if it happened yesterday, um, Allison called me up and she goes, all right, uh, we lost zone three. The pump went out. And she said, but it's all right because I took all the plants that were in zone three and I moved them over into zone one because we had just cleared that area and that pump's working. Like, all right. Mm -hmm. Solution, right? Solution. Now, had we not had a location for them, we would have had to figure out how quickly can we get our pump up? Have the plants been without water for too long that we just can't salvage them? And if that's the case, then you, you know, you just have to move forward. And the lesson there is we need to change our systems so that we don't have pumps go down so often. So looking back at what could we have done differently, right? Yes. What, what might have caused it and then moving forward thinking about how to avoid it in the future. So yeah. I love those two. That's yeah. awesome. And that's the case with everything from mechanical malfunctions, which in farming that's, that's a big thing, to staff hires, you know, uh, interviewing people, going back and going, wow, what questions could I have asked this person that might have given me a little bit more insight hmm. or boy, that person that I didn't hire, did I miss out on something? So just, you want to try to learn with every single mistake that you have. I've seen nothing that I've ever done as a failure, nothing. Um, and I've had a lot of businesses. Uh, I've seen each one as one, an opportunity to learn, two, just experiences. They add to who you are. Um, they add to the people that you get to meet along the way. Um, I can honestly say I would not be here right now if it weren't for, say, five people that I've met in the last two years. Different things, right. different comments, different suggestions. The realtor friend who sends me an email talking about a farm, <laughs> and now literally we're, I'm gonna have my absolute dream situation of a seed-to-table restaurant and event space and educational space where we can have local school children come in and learn everything that it takes to grow your own food from a, this is what you can do at home, to back in our greenhouses, which are state-of-the-art growing facilities. So those kids can learn from everything from home size to what they can maybe do as a job in the future, right. or own one in the future.
one of our core missions, right, one of our core pillars is to teach students about all the different careers. Mm -hmm. And I think often, being that we're more of a city here, right. Right. we don't think about agriculture right. as yeah. you know, a career and in an industry that our students could go into. So I think after this show, we'll have to get together and figure out how do we well, do just, that, right? I just saw that the small urban farm is one of the fastest growing segments right now in the nation because people are realizing that local food is the healthiest food even versus organic and we've had the conversation and debate about local versus organic if you can get local and organic that's awesome getting your food from a local source not only are you so you're supporting your local economy and your local workers but you're also not adding to the carbon footprint that's caused by shipping things all around the world. Now, I don't want to speak badly about anybody's industry, and that's not what we're about. I'm about supporting local, local. agriculture and um, local businesses. What we're so happy about is being able to not only grow locally, we're selling locally, and in our new restaurant, we will only be using local goods, and not just from us but we will only cook with local ingredients from the surrounding areas in the state of Florida. We won't be going out of the state of Florida. Well, we will so. figure this out uh, because right. I, I think you need people. You need Obviously, you need you're going to need, right we need a greenhouse, but you're going to need workers, yes. all right? At just like the marine industry, which we talked about a little yeah. as we were walking through, the building, the construction industry, yeah. all these industries, aviation, hospitality, they are all starting to see that the pipeline, right, of students coming through to fill the workforce is, right. there's a challenge. And so I, you likely will face that same challenge. Oh, and absolutely. it's interesting we because, right, and, and of course, you know, our kids have a different idea today, right? When we started, we worked from the ground up and learned the business from the ground up. Right. And I think today there's an expectation that we can start somewhere in the middle, maybe, right. um, or higher. There's a lot to be learned at right. those entry-level positions. Well, I think one benefit that the kids have today, especially if they do have a passion for something, so say they have a passion for social media and photography, mm. you don't have to be a photojournalist. You don't have to be just a Instagram star. At our farm, we have someone who is taking pictures constantly, going to both farms, seeing what we're growing, asking questions, doing interviews, posting that everywhere. But then we have all sorts of marketing that we need right. to do. So they can take that passion into other industries. Yeah. And that is a benefit. Absolutely. But and not into the formal jobs that we had, right? It's right. very different today, oh, yes. which is great because yeah. they get to use their creativity, I think, a lot more than we did yeah. when we were starting out. So I want to, so since this is all about the recipe for success, yeah. I ran out of space. Oh, gosh. Um, so, <laughs> well, of course my recipe is going to be complicated. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's complicated, but uh, it certainly is full of lots of awesome ingredients. Um, but there's always, every recipe has one main, right, staple, mm -hmm. one main ingredient. I love to make cheesecakes. And so, of course, cream cheese is the main right. staple, right, the main ingredient. Of all of the things we talked about, and, and I'll go through them so that you can pick one, um, and I'll hold them up for our guests, but you talked about passion and loving what you do. Hard work and going all in. I love when you said that. I always say, you know, be all in or, or don't be in at all. Uh, willing to learn surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you 
and, and making sure that what they're bringing to the table complements and adds to what you already know. Empowering others, not seeing failures as failures, but seeing them as opportunities to learn and to grow. Uh, support system, got to have a support system in place, right? Uh, collaboration, you named your businesses after it, it was so important. And of course, when there are obstacles and challenges, looking back and then moving forward. Right. So I love that. Um, so if you had to pick one that was your main ingredient, which one would that be? You need passion. You need passion because the minute you are doing something you're passionate about, it's not work. It's your lifestyle. Right. You know, yeah. I, my husband and I both are constantly just diving into whatever projects we're working on at that moment or following up with. And if you don't have that passion, then every day you go, it's work. You're working for something else. And that goes even beyond being an entrepreneur. I mean, even being just being part of a staff and being part of a support group for an, for, for an entrepreneur, they want people that are passionate. Right. We, I'm building such an awesome team right now with Colab Farms. Everyone absolutely loves what they're doing and how we're all coming together to help move this vision forward. The people that aren't passionate, they're not gonna bring anything to the table. Right. Because passion is, is at the core of all of it. And you need all of these other parts, but whether you're gonna work hard or you're willing to learn or you've got a great support team, none of it is really gonna move you forward if you don't have the passion for what it is that you're doing. Well, I can't even begin to thank you for your passion, uh, for being here with us today. Maybe we don't have four more hours. Uh, we <laughs> could go for four more hours, couldn't we? I, I, we definitely have to bring you back. Um, we want to hear more I'll about the more restaurant. Of, when we're growing more vegetables and yes. everything's ready and I can bring Let you us know. We'll schedule it, you in, no problem. But I really do. I want to say that this has been getting to know you uh, over our phone call, um, the last few times I've seen you and then today, and getting to know what you're all about and that passion that I see and I feel and I hear. Um, I love it. I love it. Thank and you. so I, I know we could not have selected a better first guest for this show, but I can't thank you enough for being with us, for staying engaged and, and connected to JA. As an entrepreneur, right, this is what we teach, and so I can't wait for the kids to see your show, um, which is the other reason why we're doing this. We want them to see people like you and what it took, right, to get to where you are today and to be doing yeah. what you're doing. And so thank you so much you're for welcome. being thank here with us. And thank you for watching our first episode of JA Recipe for Success, and we look forward to seeing you in the future.